0: we're back for another week and how good it's been
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets better every single week there's so much um, there's so much to try and keep up with now it's, it's becoming it's becoming a part-time job if not a full-time job I'm sure my own job would probably um, I got told off for reading a book the other day at my desk Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just a, a book that, that Nathan bought me. Um, so I was having a read over that about technocracy and they come over and said, oh, do you really think this is a good good use of your time? And I'm like, well, yeah, uh, prob- probably, probably a good use of my time. But um, there's, there's, yeah, there's so much to keep up with. How are you all doing? Good. Good? Very good. Very good? Ex- yeah. Explain yourself, sir. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it are you reach this state of um what's what's the word are you going insane basically I think I think it's cynicism um <laughs> is that you, it's yeah. how you survive yeah. isn't it cynicism these days yeah. <laughs> I, am, yeah. I I do find I go through these stages of just absolute kind of hopelessness yeah. and then into just just astonished and bewildered whimsy where I just, I, yeah. I can't manage, <laughs> literally, I, I can't manage, it's it's uh, the gradual decline into insanity, and it's, it seems, it's so crazy it? how, how you, you feel so separated because everyone is so believing of it, uh, especially if you're any, any, you know, most of us here are in um, customer facing roles of some degree. So we have to liaise with the public on a, a near daily basis. And liaising with the public, for anyone who's ever worked in any kind of retail or frontline um, service can tell you that it's not the most fulfilling and refreshing experience at the best of times, um, let alone right now when, we're, the, you know, lunacy is the, the, you know, the soup of the day. Um, it's, it's quite, oh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, very, very up and down day by day, it seems like. But it's good to see that there is growing cynicism now. We're, we're not the only cynical people anymore. It seems like lots of people are starting to get cynical.
2: Don't feel so lonely anymore.
1: Nope, nope, exactly. Um, where was it that said it? Oh was it, uh, oh, was it Norway? I think I posted the other day where they said uh, 80,000 nurses have declined to get the vaccine. So Holland. Holland, that was it. Yeah, so that was... A lot. That was- it's a lot. It's refreshing, 80, isn't it? Eighty thousand. It's really refreshing, and they've got such a decent attitude out there. It wasn't kind of. There doesn't seem to be any kind of. Oh, we're not anti vaxx. we're not. They just said we're not going to be the guinea pigs or the rabbits, as they say in in Holland. Um, and it was
0: that's, that's so refreshing. What a lovely country.
1: Mm. They're really, really stamping down on the NHS in the UK. Um, yeah, they, there's a there's one of my so so i can't i can't even I'm thinking how to say it so someone i know very very closely is a nurse um at a local hospital to us which is quite a big hospital um and they put her onto the covid ward back in april and she's sort of been between that covid ward and her regular position all the way since since april um and one of the nurses there, although they're all very, very believing in it, and, and obviously because they've raised them up as these kind of heroes, and when you're being told you're a hero and you're selfless and you're you're brave and all these kind of things, it, it's going to get into your head. Not that they, they're not that and they haven't been that for absolute decades. Um, but it's it's going quite the other way on some people now so we're kind of getting these vigilantes and and her friend has taken up the position of this vigilante where she's going onto Facebook now to correct any um, anything that that might suggest that it's either not as um, not as virulent and not as lethal or that that perhaps you know the NHS's own data is saying that there was no risk of the beds running out this year and posted the actual uh, occupancy rates Um, and they're, they're always about 20 to 30 percent left over um but yeah she's she's really taking it on board and really correcting people and she um showed me a couple of screenshots earlier um just saying yep we're we're full up uh this hospital's full up this hospital's full up there's no beds left we're absolutely heaving and my partner works on the same um the the same place as this person does and you're literally thinking well if you're in the same place and it's it's not full for her why is it full for you so it is um I'm not. I won't say virtue signaling, but there some some people are really taking it in their stride. That they you know, they they want this to be true. They want it to be, a, a, they want it to be a genuine pandemic.
0: But what's the gain for that? I don't, I don't. get it. What's the gain? Like, why would you do that? I guess it just makes it
1: makes these people feel feel good. Or in, I I struggle to think because if you're a nurse, you should feel good anyway. You're doing such a fantastic job. That you shouldn't really need people standing on their balconies and on their doorsteps and clapping and banging saucepans just to tell you that you're in a good position. And not being funny, it's not really one of those positions that you get into for the the goal of making a mass amount of money because it just isn't there. It's one of those positions that you do it because you you do have that genuine desire to help people. And I don't know, I I don't know. I don't know if I could take that in my I don't know I'm not saying that that's not necessarily her worldview and obviously it's it can be quite a subjective thing, but there's two completely different polar opposite opinions there or, or um, realities there and yeah to, to, to say they're absolutely heaving and that you know that people are just dropping dead and, and all this stuff when when it's not being seen is just, I, I, can't, I can't understand it. I really can't. The thing is, if this was a genuine, genuine pandemic um, and it had a very, very high fatality rate, you would have no desire whatsoever to kind of, you wouldn't have to go onto social media and tell people, yeah, everyone's dying. You know, everyone's fading away. We we can't keep up. We're we because people would see it. It's like the the early videos and the early pictures from China when people were just falling over on the street, and just dying. No one had to tell the people who witnessed that that there was something foul afoot, and yet it seemed to be you know, uh, CDC numbers eighty percent of people with COVID are asymptomatic. Crazy. Yep. How's um? How have you found? Work, Nath? How has how has everything been for you?
2: Um, it's it's given me a lot of insights. I would say, mm. um, but it kind of uh, lightly. I think you um you feel like you've got your finger on the pulse of the public, and you 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 start to begin to know what everyone is thinking and feeling, and what everyone's fearing and where everyone thinks it's going and who believes what and what percentage of people believe one thing, what percentage of people believe another and you kind of get to see the uh, demographic of differences if that makes sense. Mm. but uh, yeah it's quite hard to it's quite hard to watch it all come in and feel like there's not really much you can do because the majority of people are going, through with it and they're actually taking taking on board all of the propaganda, if that's what you want to call it yeah. um, and basically believing word for word what they're told and without really analysing it for themselves and without really uh, giving it a second thought and yeah, it's kind of difficult to know mm. what to if... say to people as well because it's at w- what at what point do you what right do you have to correct people? What right do you do you have to um, change what they're thinking and what they believe anyway? Because, yeah, they've, they've obviously come to their own conclusions and mm. yeah, it's difficult.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that- I was reading, um, I've, I've, I've gathered, a, we'll go through them in a minute, just a collective of some headlines for this week. Because I said to the guys earlier... Um, most of the major news sites now have completely disabled any kind of comment section and the few that still have a comment section usually require you to sign up which is obviously if you if you have any kind of um differing opinion to the to the status quo it's pro- probably not the best idea you sign up to a lot of um private newspapers and and, and basically hand your data over willingly um it's probably not the the best idea um, but the Guardian had a, a headline earlier that said, um, has a year living with coronavirus rewired our brains? Um, and i uh, just read an extract from there. It says, professor of psychiatry at the UCSF Institute for Neuroscience in California said, when people perceive a threat, abstract or actual, they activate a biological stress response. Cortisol mobilises glucose, the immune system is triggered, which increases levels of inflammation. This fundamentally affects the function of the brain, making people more sensitive to threats and also less sensitive to rewards. In practice, this means that your immune system may be activated simply by hearing someone cough or by seeing the surgical blue colour commonly used in masks, seeing people walk towards you, particularly if they're not wearing a mask. Um, and it's in the same article uh, from uh, Frank Snowden, who is a Yale historian and, the, and a, uh, an author who specialises in pandemic and epidemic history, uh, said people talk about the return to normality, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. So it's, and it, do you know what, it, it, even me not following it and, and, and not believing in this in the way that other people do, I, I can't if, if you see if you hear someone sneeze or cough out in public you spin round in spite of yourself you almost can't help it and I I'd tell myself that I'm turning round to see other people's reactions or I've, I've had the case where I know I'm going to sneeze and I'm thinking oh no because a sneeze isn't a sneeze anymore is it it's a it, it's it's in some places, it could be classed as an assault or some kind of thing like that. You know, you've, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing now. You can't cough or sneeze anymore. Um, and especially as I, I don't wear a mask, you, you draw the wrong kind of attention to yourself by that anyway. But it's to, for people that have to deal with the public on a very regular basis, it's inarguable that there has been a change in psyche that there has been a mass behavioral change in people um where we're we're so we're so scared to have anything to do with each other it's it's the the masks are a barrier for your face the hand sanitizer is to be a barrier for any kind of touch and they are making the the, any kind of touch and and completely illegal i've had enough of seeing these what are they? I don't know what they call them. These, I can only describe them as hugging blankets. They're like sandwich bags for the, for the fearful yeah. of any kind of infection. Have you seen them?
3: All the videos
2: of grand grandkids hanging, uh, <laughs> hugging their uh, grandparents and stuff through fucking plastic on a washing line. Have you seen them ones?
1: Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah they're the ones. Yeah, that, yeah it's on. crazy, isn't
2: well, it? The but f- then they probably go. They probably go back indoors afterwards for a cup of tea.
1: Do you know what I, I said this? I said this to, to uh to some colleagues at work. Obviously on the run up to Christmas, you're gonna get, especially in retail, you're gonna get a lot more footfall, you're gonna get a lot more people coming through to grab those last second gifts. And everywhere I've seen people that have come in in what looks something akin to those old school brass diving suits. I've seen some contraptions that I wouldn't even know where to look on the internet to find them, let alone to purchase them. And yet, they've come out to a store in an age where you can buy online. Like, why would you... You're so scared of... You're scared to death, but you'll still come out. And you, you watch. They don't... So they'll walk around and they'll touch some objects in the store. They'll have a look. They'll pick up a piece of technology and have a quick play. And they won't hand sanitise afterwards. It, it, yeah. I can't understand. it's It's... Surely, people would read, and obviously we've we've all seen people going around. It's more. I'd say there's more people that do it than don't with the nose hanging out. It's. Mm-hmm. I I quite enjoy it for the for two two fronts. One is for the the comedic aspect of it because you just realise it's a it's it's a pointless gesture. But from the other side of it, I also I, I enjoy it because it's. It feels like they're just doing it to avoid social stigma. And the people who are the stigmatizers don't seem to worry. I haven't seen someone corrected for having their nose out. I've just seen absolutely tons of people walking around with the, with the sniffer out, with the, the mouth covered open. Um, no one really... As long as you've got it round your ears, it doesn't seem to really matter if it's under your chin, if it's under your nose, if it's in your mouth. I've seen it in the mouth. I uh, can't... I uh, I just can't. It's i said a couple of weeks ago i think perhaps on the first episode that you have to it's the willing suspense of any kind of common sense when people should naturally look around and go hang on most people and they've got their nose out most people are touching stuff and then it's not being wiped down afterwards and they're not hand sanitizing most people are going on holiday i'm seeing planes in the sky every day and london underground still open and i'm still going to work i mean look at all these guys in this supermarket all these retail staff and all, all these these customers coming in and yet you know it's it's kind of like if you look at the numbers i mean sure sure we're in a lockdown but in regards to genuine kind of totalitarian restriction in that you cannot leave your doorstep you know, windows closed, cellar taped over, uh, like the movie Quarantine. It it's not really a lockdown in essence. All it is is a it's a lockdown enough to destroy the hospitality industry and close a lot of um, you know the hairdressers, the gyms, the stores, things like that. But it's not a, it's not a, any general restriction on kind of uh, travel. People are still. I mean, the, the the only restriction now is oh, you have a COVID test before you go on holiday, and people are all too happy to do that. As long as they can fly over and play golf in Portugal, it doesn't seem to have much of a much of an effect. Um, But no one—they keep saying to us, "If you don't follow the rules, it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse and worse." But it's not getting worse. And and how much more could we really do that we're not already doing? You know, absent absent the masks that we—they've already shown. I think there's 24 studies out now, large scale, peer reviewed studies. Saying masks don't work, and obviously, the most recent one we mentioned was it a, was a, the uh, it was the Danish Denmark study saying that masks don't work. Um, yep. and uh, I haven't seen many people wearing gloves, I've seen some people wearing gloves, um, and some people sanitizing, but again, unless you sanitize after handling anything at all, it's it's mostly a redundant gesture for your own your own peace of mind, it doesn't actually you know, it doesn't really benefit much at all. Um, uh, Yeah, I can't understand... Unless they're basically saying, you know, if we go back to normal life, or life as we knew it, if we go back to the life we once knew, then it's going to get so much worse. But people can't read between the lines on that. They're just saying, well, I can't wait to get back to normal. But you're not, because we're only really... If you look at what the average person does, we're only really a stone's throw away from normal. And to go back to normal would mean that we're never going to get away from this. And obviously they've said if you take the vaccine, you still don't get to go back to normal. And we've a myriad of influential people saying, oh, we're not going back to normal. This is the new normal now. Get used to it. I, I'm looking forward to the spark, should I say. I'm looking forward to the time when people have have finally... It's, it's dropped the the ball the coin has dropped that this is life now maybe we'll see some kind of uprising at that point or maybe not um, i'm not too i'm not too sure um, i'm sure they're i'm sure they're ready for it have you guys seen the um i don't know what to make of them i haven't read them um, rent into them in any great detail but i keep seeing reports from different parts of america and the uk and of all these little camps starting up all these little um Prison camps, the or? FEMA, the FEMA camps. Yeah, yeah, the FEMA camps. Yeah, there's been, and there's always there is always an excuse on hand, isn't there? There's always someone who will pop in and be like, "Oh, these aren't, you know, you're over exaggerating. These are this particular thing, and it's, it's not that." I, I saw a chap in one of the comments where they found these people on YouTube drove past a massive, massive collection, uh, and they said that they no, they're not that. They they're basically they are. Indoor high security prison cages for essentially solitary confinement for certain violent prisoners, but you think, well, why have you got five thousand of them outdoors? You know, with um, with toilets and everything. Like, why? Why would you keep them there? Why? Who is going to make? Either you're expecting a massive influx of of very very high level crime, or these are a different kind of containment altogether. And I how could you you know it's we're not again we're not talking people that are that you're done for assault or burglary. These are cubes that are essentially made for people who murder get arrested and then just don't stop you know we're talking mass mass gang leaders or, or psychopaths or, or anything like that We're not talking your regular kind of low level stuff it's oh, I trying to keep as we said, <laughs> as I said earlier, trying to keep up with it is I feel like I forget more than I remember. Because you, mm. you see so much stuff and you go, oh, I've, I've, I can't believe that. I've got to bring it up. Uh, and it just gets, it can never stay because there is such a, a torrent of new discoveries and information that you can never hold on to anything. There's always something, there's always that, do you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go through these headlines. These are some of the stuff that I, that I pulled out that I thought was quite interesting. And I thought maybe we, seeing as you, lovely public have been deprived of any kind of common sense or any kind of um, debate at the bottom of these news pages to to talk about it you've you've just heard it you accept what's in the article and then that's it that's all you get we could have a talk about them Um, first one the independent has said that the Christmas plans are in doubt for millions as number 10 admits that the guidance is now under review Uh, and this is of course because we've been told that um, there's a now a new virulent strain of coronavirus um that we all have to watch out for now it's an, it's a new even though they said that coronavirus are extremely stable and this was one of the common things when they started talking about the vaccine they said oh well you know you, you can't really have a vaccine for these you know, you, you can't have a vaccine for these because what if it what if it mutates, then you're going to have to have a whole new uh, you're going to have a whole new round of experimentation, a whole new study into this new strain. And they said, no, that's that's not a problem for us because coronaviruses are extremely stable and they don't really tend to mutate much, if at all. And we're speaking it when there is mutation. We're speaking decades and now all of a sudden it's mutated into a far more uh spreadable strain than we had before. But they've said don't worry, it's not gonna affect the vaccine. That the, the vaccine will still work on this strain as well. We still haven't got the coincidence bell, John. I need the coincidence bell in my life. That's perfect. We just had to have to save that and get that done constantly. Um I mean, not being funny. Everyone knew how it was going to be with Christmas. Everyone they 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 wanted us to be locked down over Christmas. Everyone knew that that was going to be the the mental coup de grace for all of us to just finish us off completely and obviously ruin a a, a fantastic time and, and bring the kids into it as well to say, look, none of the grandparents are coming around, none of the extended family are coming around. It's just going to be us, because they have to get the ones, haven't they? Um, it's
2: it's, uh, it's all to, also to stamp that into your memory. So yeah. everyone will say, oh, oh, my God, the year 2020, that Christmas was awful. Can you mm. remember it? Mm. And then they'll go, oh, yeah, the, um, oh, that Christmas was so bad. We couldn't spend it with Nan and granddad. Oh, yeah. the grown-up. Oh.
1: There's so, so many you know, memes that are popping up as well with um you know showing how bad 2020 has been but you know 2021 is on the horizon In as part of the joke and you think oh come on like do you do you think it's going back to normal um but yeah they they absolutely want to lock us down and it was quite clear when we came out on December 2nd that we were not going to be locked down in that same way again We we weren't going to see all the retail stores close. There would have been uproar. It's it's refreshing because what it means for us is that they're still fearful of some kind of uprising or revolt. They're trying to keep us uncomfortable, but just uncomfortable enough so we don't kind of, we don't kick off, we don't go mad, there isn't civil unrest, they can't, they're not really willing to risk that, because it's going to kind of blow the, once they lose order, it's going to be very hard to get it back, with its with something on this scale, if you think of the London riots, they were quite difficult to bring back under the hill, and that was over, something that, that was nowhere near as, as widespread, as restrictive, as destructive, as what we're seeing right now, Um the Telegraph says all secondary schools are to get rapid weekly testing from January. One can only think it's paving the way for the freedom passes we've heard about.
2: It's, it's also paving the way for a lot of things because as soon as you as soon as soon you allow this to happen you're just going to allow for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And at the moment the reason they're rolling it out in schools and uh, primary schools, secondary schools and everything else is to get them used to the idea that in the future um whatever other developments come forward they'll basically just willingly accept it because they've been conditioned to accept it from a young age so that's that's another reason for it mm. even if it's um even if the tests are completely pointless and it is just that it might even just be that that they're getting them ready for for something else potentially in the future or mm. mm. uh, we'll getting them ready to take mandatory vaccines every 3 months or every night uh, i don't know whenever or every year or
1: whatever Mm. um yeah it's it's exactly what it's about isn't it i I can't believe that that, the the i mean the pcr tests have had such a massive amount of flack now um, and the, the evidence that they're not working is just astronomical it's hard to find i have to say that it's hard to so chris Asked me the other week if I could send him when I when I did the original research for the v uh, the second episode, uh, episode, we're not saying the v word. Um, there was quite an abundance of of information on the PCR test at that time, and I didn't. I should have. I didn't bookmark a lot of the pages. I didn't bookmark a lot of the sources. So I kind of I you know I, I researched them. I noted them all down for to reference for the actual podcast itself. Um, and and didn't really. I've still got all the um, the the text saved. So where I was writing, where I got them from, things like that. I've still got the text saved, but not the links to them. So when Chris said, "Oh, can you could you send me over some of the stuff from the the uh, your discoveries about the PCR tests?" I thought that's no problem. I'll jump on Google and I'll be able to find some stuff. Yeah, they are purging like nobody's business right now. There's so, so much of you the find- stuff that was just there is gone and there's there's nothing there's literally nothing that you can find and it it isn't excusable because you know they're talking about clamping down on anti-vaccine rhetoric but we're not talking anti-vaccine we're talking PCR tests you're talking you know whether the, the, the creator of the PCR test you can't find he had videos up where he was being interviewed where you know he was specifically saying the PCR test is not it's not built for this you know above Thirty-three or thirty-two cycles, it, you, you drop down to about a two percent um, efficacy rate, uh, and the government of the UK are running it at forty cycles. So we're we're cycling way way above what you would need to find that kind of thing, and, and this is everything is disappearing so fast.
0: Do you know the the thing about it though is that when you um, obviously I know someone who got a, a positive result was mm. nowhere near them, by the way um <laughs> <laughs> just for the record um but they they actually you have to go through the symptoms um through 111 mm. and then um there was hardly any the the, the actual symptoms mm. and then they 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 said that they had one of them just so that they could get some extra support um for his you know just for saying it and um and then what they do they send them an extra list of 19 other symptoms I need to get that list. I'll probably try and get it next week Mm. of 19 other symptoms that are not, not even on the original symptoms list. So then it makes them think, Oh, do you know what? I've got that. Or I had that. Or I had that. And these are probably just basic things, Mm. but because, yeah, it's crazy. So now they actually think that they've, you know, it's mad that they've got it because it fits on one of these extra other symptoms, which is, like a stomachache, or mm. you know, things like this, or you know, you might have felt uh, like you, your left nostril was blocked. I'm it's not, like I'm anything, not isn't this. it?
1: It's like if you, you know, how many people have had a, uh, say, a, a recurring stomachache or a headache, or a, and you, you know, you've typed in re- recurring stomachache into Google, Doctor Google, and he always comes back, oh, no, you, you've, you know, it must be cancer. So you, go, oh no, oh Christ, I've, I've, I've got it. You know, are you go into a mass panic mode. But then when you Google, you find that the symptoms are the same symptoms for a hundred other ailments that you can have. But yet, you know, is it coronavirus, oh, you've got a runny nose, you've got a headache. Are you feeling yeah. flu-like? It's not the flu, but are you feeling flu-like? You know, they're, they're so they're so vague. Everyone could have any of these symptoms, especially if, like most people, you don't really eat. I mean, not being funny, I would not have anything against <laughs> not a bad word to say because I'm definitely one of them right now. The motivation, and this seems to be unanimous whoever I speak to, the motivation right now at this time of year, not just because it's December, but even in the preceding months to to eat right, to get out and do all your exercise, if you can get to gyms, to keep going to gym, to the the motivation to do that has dropped right, right down in people. People are just feeling so defeated with it all. It's... it's it's extremely difficult to motivate to you know to, to actually do anything really to do anything, um, and even if you, even if there are pursuits that you you find joy in, it's so much time. I'll come in from work and I'll just feel so deflated from having to deal with the the, the general public and and how they how they're kind of acting with all this, how they conduct themselves, and, and all the extra effort you have to go through you know every every time you handle a product it's like yeah. i don't like or obviously i don't believe in in the way things are but i have to appear to believe in the way things are and that's such a massive effort physically and mentally in that you know after every single thing you have to you have to hand sanitize if someone wants to pay i'll take a you know an 8 foot step back from the uh any kind of um any kind of till any chip and pin reader because i want to at least respect their worldview, even if I don't believe it myself. It's it's quite exhausting because it doesn't feel natural for you and you have no interest in doing it, but you have to be part of the play. You have to be part of the show to make people feel, feel great. And it, unfortunately, a lot of businesses, especially frontline sales now, people don't realise who have never been in a, in a kind of sales position. A lot of what you make in regards to your, if you make a commission or you make any kind of uh, sales incentive, it isn't based on just what you sell. It's based on, most of the time, it's either what they call a, a CSAT or a, a NPS, net promoter score. So oftentimes after you're sold an object, you'll get an email or a text saying, how did you rate that individual? And if you give them, this is a fair warning for anyone listening who's given a one out of ten, um, if you give them I think it's anything less than a nine. So yeah, less than a nine. Less than a nine eight, out of ten. One, one to one to eight. Mm. <laughs> one to eight. One to eight, yeah. So anything anything less than a nine. I mean, I would say an eight out of ten is quite a good score. But if you don't give them a nine or a ten, any most of the time any commission they would have made from that solitary sale is gone. But and, and oftentimes this this is done on an overall average. So it's not just you'll lose it for that sale, you will lose money for for a lot of things I mean I, I've had experiences where you know I've had um, three or four four digits in terms of commission on a monthly basis and then someone has uh, come in with 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 something silly so say uh, say customer service has sent them in with a promise that has is, is is not true they come in with that expectation you can't meet and you do the absolute best they can and then they get that score for and they go zero out of ten I was lied to by someone on the phone that wasn't yourself, and that that just disappears. A month's worth of hard work has just disappeared because someone somewhere, not you, couldn't be bothered to really do their job. So you, even if you, I said it, it, it's exhausting because even not believing it, I have to constantly keep up that display that I do believe in it, that I that you know that, that these people are are right, um, and and put on that show and that act purely in the hope that. You know, they don't They don't go, oh, six out of ten um, didn't keep his distance from me, or six out of ten I didn't see him hand sanitise his hands between handling the product. It's, it's absolutely exhaustive. I'm sure it's just as bad as where you are, Nave, to be honest.
2: Pretty much, mate. I don't really have much to expand on what you just said because I uh, pretty much relate to everything you just said,
1: really. <laughs> it's, I, I do... I, I envy the people that are working at home. I generally do. Um,
2: it's well, they're the ones as well who don't really have much to complain about, and yep. they're the ones as we before, and I think we were talking about on the group as well, mm. where we said um, those individuals. And again, I'm not bashing people, but they they're happy to say, "Oh, these idiots who you know aren't listening to the restrictions. Oh, we want to go back to normal and everything else." But the thing is, like they're comfortable anyway, so why mm. does it affect you? You're working at home. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's irritating.
1: But it's because they the, the, the prospect is, although they're making quite a handsome wage and they're they're more comfortable than they've ever been. Um that you, you me, us, we're stopping them from maybe going on that cruise next year. And I tell you, yeah. do, you do you know what this is something that, that so um my Brother, he works in uh, he works at Barclays Bank, works in London uh, as a recruitment consultant. And obviously right at the start of it, right in, I think it was just March, as soon as stuff started really kind of kicking up, um, they said, right, no, here's a company card, go grab yourself a monitor, grab yourself a laptop, grab yourself whatever you need and you, you stay home. And you would think, given everything that's going on, that these companies would go, right, that we know that we bring people into the office, so... All the other things aside, we can keep an eye on the work they're doing, the output they're doing, we can make sure there isn't time wasting there. And you'd think when they're making people go home to work, they would be really, really invested and interested in maintaining that same quantity and quality of work. And it's been the exact opposite it's we we were joking the other day because he'll open his laptop in the morning as long as his laptop is open and he's on the works email client which gives him a little green dot next to his thingy he gets up he'll go for you know go to the gym for two hours and then he'll go out for lunch uh with his partner with my dad and they'll they'll sit around for another two hours and he'll come back and he'll send a maybe one or two emails and then he'll jump on uh jump on the playstation he'll do something else and it's you think wow you know the people that are just they they've never been some of them they've never been in a more comfortable position and on top of that he's saving hundreds and hundreds of pounds a month by not getting the train up to london every day so the fact that they're saying oh look just 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 put your mask on just take the knee just raise a fist that that just do these these rituals so i can go on holiday i can't I just, I, I, it's, it's hard to respect that position. It really genuinely is. When we so those on-
2: people, really have a best, a lot of those people um, have a vested interest in some of this carrying on to a certain degree. Or mm. they wouldn't really care if it did carry on. Yeah. Because, as you said, it, it, I, that, can't, that kind of sounds cynical, um, but we are... We're
1: cynically themed tonight, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't like when people start throwing around the the privilege card because it does frustrate no. me. But there is, if there ever was a privilege, it's in this this class divide that that has that has reared its ugly head right now more so than ever. Where it is the um it is these people that that are comfortable at home with their laptops just being open, um, that can that can that are telling everyone else, oh you're what's dragging this down you're what's keeping this going you're and the system works for them so as you said it it, if it goes on for another year another two years or five years it's probably it's not really going to affect them i know for a fact i reckon if we go into another lockdown in january and let's be honest we're going into another lockdown in january yeah of course we are will there be a job for me probably not uh, in, in a company that's cut hundreds and hundreds of members of staff and hundreds of management this year uh, probably not will there be a, will there be a job for I mean I would say all, all three of us in this current position uh, and some extended family of myself that are also in uh, frontline services will there be jobs for them it's high, it's a 5050 it's a gamble uh, and, and, and saying oh the, the, the notion that if I just wear my mask it will all be over is so ignorant and so insulting.
2: Considering the fact as well that as we've discussed before, the so all of this panic and the whole pandemic is based on the, the premise of infection rates and we know that, as you said before, the PCR test tests for fragments mm. of the, the DNA or, or RNA or whatever it is of mm. the, the supposed virus mm. and this could be these could be bed fragments from months ago. It's not an active disease in your body, like so. All of these people that are being tested, and again, as you've shown, um, you sent a few things over before, and uh, which shown people literally taking tests out of the packet and then coming positive. So basically, this whole thing's based on based on nothing.
1: Yeah, I was going to say earlier as much as um, I don't. I, I wouldn't recommend really using any kind of social media. Um, it's an absolute cesspool, and, and Twitter, unfortunately, is not the most um, credible one amongst all of them. Um, yeah. But you are seeing now um, where where Facebook has had a lot of flack for censoring, um, Twitter has kind of not been targeted quite so much by the senses. Obviously, there are far, far more users of Facebook than there are Twitter, and there's entirely different content on both. You know, one has effectively turned into some kind of... Uh, under the guise of being social, it's some kind of... It, you know, it's a, it's a dating website with some media elements of spreading memes and silly videos and things like that. And that's really what Facebook is, where Twitter's kind of... There's a lot of political back and forth on Twitter and that seems to be if you've got a problem or you want to complain or you want to flag up some kind of uh, uh, MP for not doing something Twitter's a place to go to where Facebook you've really got no there's no point really doing anything on Facebook but a lot of the, the a lot of the good stuff now that you're coming out that you just can't find you'll find on Twitter like the links the videos the pictures you find them there and sure they're gone in a couple of days they they've disappeared because they've been you know the account has been deleted or they've been wiped or again that there is censorship going on so you will so I clicked on the link earlier and it gave me a warning saying this could be potentially uh, fake news this could be misleading are you are you sure you still want to go there thanks twitter looking out for me but of course I went forward with it but it was funny the, 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 the uh, I put one video up which was uh, an Australian-Austrian Australian, uh, Australian Austrian, uh, member of parliament um, who opened a can of Coke, poured it into a glass. Because uh, what they've replaced the PCR test now, and I think due to purely negative attention, is a new lateral flow test where you can literally uh, pop a sample at one end, like a pregnancy test, and it will tell you within about half an hour um, whether you're positive or, or negative and he dipped uh some of this coke into the lateral flow test he carried on with his talk about how they were a tremendous waste of money and they weren't working and sure enough by the time he almost concluded his speech the lateral flow test had, had said that this uh can of coke was positive for coronavirus and i watched one <laughs> earlier i watched one earlier on twitter where um a chap opened the lateral flow test with wearing surgical gloves, um, brand new, fresh seal on the packet, opened the lateral flow test, opened an apple yogurt, put a little dab of apple yogurt on the lateral flow test and he he time-lapsed it. So his hands didn't move for the entire video. The test didn't move for the entire video. And after half an hour, he brought it up. And yeah, sure enough, the the apple yogurt also tested positive for coronavirus. So the fact... Go on.
2: someone's someone's coughed into the to the oh, coke of
1: course yeah back. and
2: then it's you know it's going to the cans and someone's coughed in the uh someone with covid's coughed into the yogurts and that, that
1: must stuff. be it yeah it must be yeah. maybe yeah. there was some kind of live culture in the yogurt that that happened to I'm capture a coronavirus <laughs> before it was sealed we're going to have to get onto Onken and go mad about this because this is an outrage right now. But yeah, it's the 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 how. I mean, if you're listening and you you don't use Twitter and you don't search this stuff, how many of you have seen those videos? Probably none. You may maybe someone if, if you're into this kind of thing. Hopefully, you are by now. If you if you're on episode five, you're if you're not into it, you're getting into it. Um, but if if you know have if you're not into it you will never hear this stuff. And if you are into it, maybe you might have had some friends that have sent you some of these videos because, again, they circulate, they go viral, and then they just disappear. Um, yeah, t- t- you, you're not hearing this. The, 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 the active censorship is absolutely unreal. Uh, that, that's actually a great foray into what we've collectively decided to talk about this week, which is really the, the ownership of... And the control of the media, uh, who controls it, why they control it, uh, the weaponization, when this happened, um, and and basically how they they they're using. And again, we're in the age now where we've gone from the the old controls of censorship used to obviously be the the newspaper, uh, the radio, the television, and now we're moving further afield into the digital age where we're seeing. Uh, I, I found this really interesting that. When YouTubers came around, first of all, they referred to as YouTubers. Uh, and then shortly after, it was content creators was a new word. They're now content creators instead. And now they're influencers. Everywhere you look, oh, this is an influencer. This is a social media influencer. This is an Instagram influencer. And it's it's in the title that they're there to influence and to steer. They're not a a, a person who creates content they are an influencer so they need to, their job is to influence you and if you look at obviously the the most uh, you know the most popular channels and what they're kind they're, they're very um often very left leaning very liberal um you you won't find i mean how many celebrities big celebrities big names have you heard recently that have spoke about or not recently at all since this began that have spoke about pcr that have spoke against vaccines that have spoke spoken against none None. Where where are any of these guys at all? Because I've 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 seen no Brad Pitts. I've seen no Johnny Depp's. I've seen none of these guys have an not only a a a, a negative opinion but have any kind of opinion whatsoever. They're just they they carry on in their own little world, and no one's really talking about it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, as always, Nathan is going to be the (laughs) the authority on this uh, particular subject. Um, now if, if you have it to hand or you, you obviously know when do you think that I mean did it ever happen so was the media always planned as a, a, a propaganda tool or was it sometime was it genuine was there genuine media just broadcast out to the public and it slowly got corrupted and if so how and when
2: so again that, that brings us back to our first talk that we had Uh, Well, first time I was on, and it goes back to the 1800s, pretty much. Where, as as you correctly said before, um, basically you had, for example, let's use London, London for example, or uh, just the cities of the UK in general. You you had, um, you know, a fair few newspapers that were in competition with each other and all publishing different. different types of news, local news and everything else. And then eventually, um, in the 1800s at some point, and then in the, uh, the early 1900s, you had the very same groups, um, that I was speaking about, uh, you know, first talk, pretty much buy up, um, all of the media of the planet, almost literally. Um, and you you can read about um,
1: Sorry. Who would you say for, for people who missed that episode? Uh, but uh, particularly in the media, who are you say were some of the big names that we should kind of look out for?
2: Well, uh, I can not tell you the exact names of the people that owned the newspapers, but what I can say, it was a lot of the same groups that I was speaking about before who bought up the newspapers. Um, again, if you look into Cecil Rhodes um, and some of the people that Carol quickly mentions in one of his books um, in the Anglo-American Establishment, he basically talks about a group um, who are connected to the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Milner Group, who basically call them the Roundtable Society. And they basically used to have meetings about consolidating and um, building um, the power of the British Empire, basically. And eventually what they did is they bought up a lot of these uh, media outlets and so on in order to promote um, British foreign policy and um, eventually American foreign uh, foreign policy. Um, and yeah, it kind of went from there. But if you again, if you study it and if you look now um, and kind of trace the money from back then to now, the same groups that owned the media throughout the early nineteen hundreds, previous to World War Two. And then out of World War Two, um, they were all the same groups. And obviously, after World War Two, you had um, a few new groups that come in, um, which people don't really like to talk about. And they obviously eventually created Hollywood, and Hollywood, and the various networks networks connected to that, um, such as Disney and other groups as such, um, have pretty much guided the culture ever since. Mm. And yeah, still guide the culture now and those companies and the money that existed back then has just been pulled into other companies and other, um, studios and so on. And those studios have just expanded into other smaller companies. Like, you know, you have a, you know, you have Warner Bros, you have Sony, you have Disney, um, But if you look at it, there's pretty much five or six companies that run the entire planet's uh, media Mm. and control pretty much um, at least all of the Western media and all of the... You have to remember, the US is pretty much the country that's creating the world culture.
1: Oh, yeah, Um, They're they're on another level over there. Is, is yeah, everything. and
2: out of like I said, out of World War Two, and I, I think um, like I touched I touched upon it um, before when I said that after World War Two they pretty much got together and worked out how they were going to develop a new uh, European culture and a new um, culture for the US, and part of that was to promote consumerism. Um, and to promote this new post-World War Two prosperity type culture. And yeah, kind of expanded from there. But Hollywood was the main kind of artificer of, of that. Um, and like I said, the, the five or six main companies that eventually expanded into what we know today. So we, you can mention a hundred channels, mm. you can mention a hundred news networks or whatever. Um, but, pretty much owned by all the same people. But I think that is pretty much common knowledge now. And especially if you've been, if you've been doing research for even just a couple of years and you've been looking in, into any of this stuff for a couple of years, you'll see that. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty much common knowledge. Um, but for anyone who hasn't ever looked into it, uh, I guess they, they look around the world and kind of, or well, they switch on the TV or go on the internet and, they think they're getting independent news sources, and they think that when they go onto an article or a newspaper or whatever, they think they're getting this like independent, independently researched uh, piece of journalism that is there to give you truth, and it's not. Um,
1: so yeah, was I don't know. Um, there was a, a a viral video that was around a long time ago, but I say a long time ago, probably two or three years ago now. Um, and if you try, uh, so I've tried to find it to 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 send it to a couple of people. It's very hard to find now. You normally will get a very small five second cut from it as part of maybe like a a a short sort of webisode into what happened, but you had the. Um, The Sinclair, if you remember that, the Sinclair um, Broadcasting Group, um, where they basically – the video was it would show you a single news station, a local news station speaking, and then it would go to 2 and then 3 and then 10 and then 15, and they were all saying the the exact same script. And again, these people were completely – all over the country, all completely different, yet they were saying the same thing. And when you overlaid them at the same time, it was word for word – the exact same thing. It was only caught out because someone again did do that and piece all those pieces together and noticed that it was a script over about maybe a hundred completely separate news
0: channels. I still got that if you want it.
1: <laughs> I do want it. I definitely want it. <laughs> okay. it. It was such it was such gold to to have to be like also oh, you think that this is a completely independent news channel no. and they're independent and these are stories are independent uh, and it's all again even the wording. It's, uh, we, we'll probably we need to get the um, maybe what we can do is we can just get the, the file the sound clip and then we can play that perhaps next week so people can people can yeah or Chris can, Chris can find, find it for us
2: people should be able to find uh, clips like that on the internet somewhere because there's there's quite a few of them that have been made yeah uh, quite a few recent as well
3: mm.
2: but that's that's the thing and that's what people have to understand because um, sorry I keep saying that no. Propaganda, in the way that it's presented to us now, is is to create a uniform culture, and it shapes and guides the culture and society as a whole. And you can't have you can't have people with individualistic um, opinions and beliefs and and so on. Everyone has to be unified on board. And basically everyone has to be believing the same thing and they, they can't have all of these different groups.
1: Do you know what's so weird. funny? I always find that... So people listening, what we do when we do this podcast is Nathan will, Nathan is an absolute... He has a library, essentially, as a self-funded library that's, that's gradually growing pieces. Um, but we'll all go away and do our own separate research and we don't... Um, We don't meet for these. We don't plan these podcasts before time. So we we literally just come together with our own respective researches and just just press record and then that's it. So we don't make any kind of planning. But I I find it so funny because it happened last week and it's happened this week where Nathan will say something and Mm -hmm. I'll have done all of my own research throughout the week and then exactly what he's saying will be exactly what I have found myself. And it's it's so so for example um, obviously when we were talking last week so when I when I started looking up this week about the uh, who owns the media when exactly when it happened um, I remember that from the documentary pandemic, Uh, So you can find that at www.plandemic2.com. It's definitely worth a watch. But I remember there was a section there about media ownership. And when we we decided to cover this episode, I was like, I need to go back to that, and I need to have a a reread through that. And it it basically spoke about um, the Rockefeller family uh, when they moved on from Standard Oil. And I had always had an impression of the Rockefellers. I knew who, basically who they were, what they represented. Um, I wasn't too sure. I knew that they, they have quite an infamy surrounding them, which for me was was always, as far as I understood, just because they were ludicrously wealthy, because they were a massive funder of basically like a lot of the United States. I think at 1% the family was making the equivalent of anywhere between 2 and 5% of the entire country's GDP was was just down to that 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 family in there that absolute extravagance levels of wealth. Um, but what I have found in that, and it's so interesting, was that when they had all the the basically like the the what would you call it? The anti kind of anti monopoly or oligarchy that was standard oil where they effectively controlled absolutely everything and over the the the, the years they had made such a bad name for themselves I'll i'll give you some things actually if you're listening just so you can take these away just so you can understand if you've never looked into the rockefeller family just two two things that jumped out to me so there was a an event in 1911 um, regarding in the Dulab, the Masaba and the Northern Railroad. So what happened? The original owners and constructors of these railroads had spent years and years and they'd finished laying the tracks for these railroads, um, but they'd completely run out of funding to put terminals on them. Um, the Rockefeller family had been keeping an eye on this uh, as a potential investment. Um, So what they did when they found out that this company had completely run out of funding, they hired uh, a gentleman, the Reverend Gates, he was called, and he was presented to these owners as a a qualified and quite reliable individual um, who could effectively be responsible to handle any of the donations or acquire any further funding. Reverend Gates, obviously being on the Rockefeller payroll, said, oh, I, I know a guy, I know a family who can put down all the money for this. Like great philanthropists, really what, you know, really behind what you're doing. So obviously this guy said, great, awesome. We need the funding. We want to finish this. Uh, and John D. Rockefeller loaned them $420,000. I can't imagine how much that would be with inflation these days. Um, yeah. Yeah, mi- millions and millions. So, but the idea was that you have essentially a, almost an indefinite period to repay this debt. Um, literally, a couple of weeks after accepting, he informed those same owners that he, he'd run into an unforeseen financial problem and that they had to pay back the loan within 24 hours. And he had pitched them a contract that basically allowed him to do this. It didn't offer them any kind of protection because he had sold the idea that, again, it was a, it was a he was very vested in the expansion of america and the railroads and they could essentially trust him um they absolutely tried to to secure that money through bank loans and god knows what else and couldn't do it um and had to then hand over the entire current railway infrastructure to the rockefeller family to to appease the debt basically and it's it's crazy and he had a he had a really weird way of thinking about it, as his family did. Um, so he believed that workers, they should only be paid based on what they're worth. I, I don't understand what subjective means he used to test that, but he didn't believe in a, in a living or a minimum wage. Um, they they owned a set of coal mines, the Ludlow Coal Mines, Yeah, and they didn't pay the employees in cash. So they paid them in with a token system. And you could only use those tokens at the family-run stores on site, which were hugely overpriced and overinflated. Um, and many of the miners, obviously, understandably, could not survive on it. So they went on a massive strike, and then Rockefeller Jr., the son, hired a private militia to come to the mines and force the people to work. Um, obviously, that you, even an armed militia is not really going to quell the... The, the, the speaking you know when it gets dark it's not going to hush the talk um so they kicked them all out of the lodgings they had they put them all into basically a tent city and then one night fired on the tents and i think they said that someone fired at them so they fired back but they ended up killing about i think it was what have i got i've got two women and 11 children um and that effectively just completely squashed the uprising because you'd killed most of these miners' children and a couple of their wives as well. And they went on a massive... Obviously, that, that that spread. There was no way this this was in an echo chamber where those deeds would not get out. And the Rockefeller family were, had this mass infamy surrounding them, which is so funny because a lot of what I was looking into... So when I put in... Um, if I got into Google, when I put in uh, Rockefeller involvement in the media, literally every article was about their charity their philanthropy, like I, I literally read, um, if you go on John D. Rockefeller's Wikipedia page, all it talks about is how he's so heavily religious, how his mother was really religious, how he gave, even at the age of like 13 or 14, when he's working, he gave 10 or 20% of his wages to the church, um, how he was oh. just so into charity, he was such a such a, a, a humanitarian, a philanthropist, this guy, he just loved other people and yet again he says oh no people shouldn't be unless they do uh i I define what they it doesn't matter if they work for me they don't deserve a minimum wage unless they do the right amount of work which is again who decides that who decides the quality of work that someone does and why should someone work to you if you can't promise them that they can survive anyway even if you, you you had it you know there's there's no stability where whatsoever but at the time, there was, I think they're called Hearst, Hearst Communications, or Hearst, I think they're, they're Hearst yep. Communications now. Um, but they were kind of struggling at the time, and the Rockefeller family essentially merged with them and, and, and props them up. Um, and it became, throughout the 1920s and the 19. it effectively became the Rockefeller Network, in that the entire point of it was just to be a a, a propaganda and a PR firm for the Rockefeller family. And they expanded, obviously, Hearst expanded from newspapers into radio, and then they expanded into television, um, and the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, MGM, the the movie studio, was was owned by them as well. But yeah, the Rockefellers literally went in, they printed their own pamphlets, they printed the newspapers, they did everything. To show the Rockefellers in these fantastic lights that they're these great charitable souls, and do you know what? The, the, this is what I was saying when when it links into Nathan. So when he was saying, "Oh, you," was, when I remember an episode, I asked him, are, "Are these people?" I think it was when you mentioned Cecil Rhodes. Um, yeah, are these people essentially unrelated um, and have nothing to do with each other, and just kind of got lucky, and then you know respected each other from that point of view. It was literally as soon as Rockefeller took control of the media. There was the Carnegies, there was J.P. Morgan. Yep. You know, they, they, literally everybody came together out of the woodwork. And when you said, "Oh, do you know all these people? They—they've always been in control." It was. It was. There was no way that. Do you know what I mean? They all had their own separate sources of power. They all yep. had their own avenues whether it was steel or oil or the media and they came to get, there would be there wouldn't be any real need to do that um, and they no. just all came together and all centralized and all created these base things. and then like you said when you say oh well the, the 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 whole media is owned by six individuals or six it's so easily believable because they essentially you had people that were billionaires multi-multi-billionaires in a time long before that was anywhere near as commonplace as it is now. And they mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't strive individually. They came together and they formed these massive empires. Um, yeah. Just it's, mad, literally mad. And like I said, all the names you said just popped up in my own research. It was so, I had to chuckle to myself because I thought, wow, he's, you know, it just verifies everything you said that they just, the names just pop up all the time. Because the, the thing is,
2: like I said to you as well, um, when, I th- it may have been the first or second talk, we're we taught a, very much a scrubbed history. We're not taught real history and we're not really taught any real recent history because if we were, the world would just make sense. Mm. Isn't it? <laughs> it would all just make sense if you were taught true history. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I will say, like one of the only, fortunately, um, it may be relevant or may be irrelevant if depending if you eventually look into it or not one day. But, um, one of the reasons why we know so much about this group, um, or the specific group we're talking about, which we, you could call the, um, as Carol quickly calls it, the Anglo American establishment, or you could, you could call it the current world establishment. Um, he, he brought a lot of this stuff forward. um, through his first book, Tragedy and Hope, and then released, like I said, the Anglo-American establishment, where he kind of laid a lot of this stuff out. And then, the according to someone else, the plates were broken for that book, but luckily enough copies were released that they could then be reprinted. Um, so yeah, luckily, the reason we know so much information about all this is because of um, the author, Carol Quigley, who was the official historian for the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. And yeah, I've got a quote, by the way, which kind of um, brings us full circle. And it's from David Rockefeller at um, a Bilderberg meeting in 1991. And he said, so he, I guess he was, uh, he was speaking at the meeting, obviously he got up onto the stage. I think you can even find this on YouTube somewhere. I've definitely seen it in some people's documentaries. But he said, we are grateful to the Washington Post To the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promise of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan of the world if we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government, the supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practised in past centuries. So, there you go.
1: It's crazy, because you, you would say to yourself, how can you say that? You know, how, how okay. could they say that and get away with it? Because the reason they can say it is exactly, the, the, the proof's in the pudding, is exactly what they're talking about. That they okay, well, have I've relied on that. You know, they've, they've been able to rely on that, independent and I, there's no notion there's no there's no evidence there to, to say that it is an independent choice but you no. know they, they control everything you hear and if you don't yeah. look where are you going to find that stuff where are you ever going to hear it
2: no. and you're not because that's that's exactly it because um, a media is a it's a holder of information isn't it and they don't want certain in, types of information getting to you because if if you're to receive certain types of information, you'll become informed and you'll see through things and you'll start to question things, and then the whole narrative falls apart, and then people start to they stop giving faith to the system, and yeah, they lose control. But again, we're to uh, I've again I've got another quote, which um it was the one I just about to start last week and didn't get to finish. But, um,
1: <laughs> Sorry
2: about that, but... <laughs> that's right. But, um, it was uh, Spigny Brzezinski, and I'm not going to explain who he is, but if, you, if you're if you aware of who he is, then, yeah, if you're not, that's your homework. Um, shortly, the public will, will be unable to reason or think for themselves. They'll only be able to parrot the information they've been given on the previous night's news. And he was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission as well. Um,
1: Yeah. It's crazy, uh, isn't it? It's so... Listening to it is such a spit in the face. Yeah. Um, It's it's so... It annoys me when you talk to people um, and and they they say, no, they... what? So, So you're saying that everyone's in on this. You know, everyone... And it's like, no, you... You don't realise that A, it's very departmentalized. You know, every, every every everything is separate. There's no people that need to be in on absolutely everything. The same way one one person does not build your entire car. It's the same way as that. They don't need to know that kind of stuff. Um, but they don't get away with it. They really they do not get away with it. And they don't even the frustrating thing is they don't even try and get away with it anymore. They're quite no. happy for it to be there for you to see it if you want to see it. And the you don't want to see it. And the what I mean, the, the only thing that, that I said, the only thing that stops these people from ever looking is because they have a worldview that they have to maintain. They it either means that they're wrong, uh, which they're not willing to contend with. They're like, No, I, I can't be wrong. I'm too I'm too clever. I'm too intelligent. I'm an adult. I've been around for so many years. There's, there's no opportunity. Nope. I'm wrong. Or they're just too. They, they don't want to know. Like there's maybe there's some tiny little inkling that says, oh, what is they right? You know, they, they sound like they've done their homework and they're going. Don't look into it. Don't have. A, you know, don't, don't read into it because that's not going to feel good for you. Here's it's, the thing. Who, who
2: is to tell you as well that you shouldn't? like you're some child being protected from something you, you you're not ought to see like that's what i don't understand where does that kind of notion come from mm. i was gonna i have an quote by speaking of Brzezinski again um which kind of brings it full circle to what we're talking about earlier if you don't mind me reading
1: it. yeah you you do you man
2: so he said the technic the technotronic era." sorry this book was published in the 70s by the way just to kind of uh Yeah, kinda lay the premise. So Mm. this was forty years ago he wrote this. The technotronic error involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite, unrestrained by traditional values. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance on every citizen and maintain an up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen the files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. And that was said 40 years ago.
1: You, you, said the, you said the 70s? Yeah. it's 50 years ago, man. 50 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, <we're> <laughs> that's <laughs> right. We're doing that again, yeah. <laughs> we're doing we're, we're, not, it, we're not great mathematicians it, on this show.
2: No, no, no. It was. I think the book was published in 76, so that's why I just said about four
1: years ago. Ah, okay, yeah. Sorry, that was, was a cheap dig there. I didn't need to... Uh, i'm, I'm yeah, playing i'm playing the I part of this, the npc here i, I saw all
2: this research and i get get this in return
1: <laughs> yeah <do> you know <laughs> i saw a, a um a meme the other day and uh it was a picture of like a, a like a really ancient vase um picture of achilles with the arrow in his heel <laughs> and it said uh Oh, let me find it quickly while you're here, because it, it did make me laugh, because it's something that I've run into so many times. So, yeah, so the arrow in his heel, it just said a typo next to it, and it said a well-structured argument to defeat a stranger on the internet. It's amazing how often that I've made some really valid points, especially on PCR testing. Like I said, if I, if I find something out, I will jump on Twitter, I'll jump into these threads, um, following like Mike Yeadon or, or um, Carl Hennigan and obviously when when they post these things about anti-PCI, anti-lateral flow, anti-vaccine you'll get a whole bunch of people underneath them that will be like oh you know that, that are there to discredit they are whether they're 77th or whatever they are they're professional discreditors and the funny thing is if you go from post to post i'll follow these people because i want to benefit from their insight other people will follow these people with no other desire whatsoever than to go in and combat the people in the combat in the in the, in the comments sorry i don't know yep. if they they get a, a thrill or a kick out of um you know destroying us flat earthers i don't know if that's what it is um but that's that seems to be the, the mindset of it that all oh, these flat earthing tinfoil hat idiots Covid idiots! I'm going to go in and 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 slam them all with my science and my logic. But um, so then
2: even ignore but, the exact quotation you've yeah, given of exactly. all the information you've just given, just based on just the correction. So I just looked it up. It's 1970. It was published. So was, yeah,
1: so there you it go. It. Yeah, but I've I've I'm, so I apologise. I've reduced myself <laughs> down to one of those uh, a, a minor faux pas, and I was there in a second. They've they've tainted me it's the it's the cynicism i can't i have to strike out now wherever i can um i was again researching i, I knew this before because again this was mentioned on the the pandemic documentary um because they did an entire section on how the media is controlled and how they can spin this story so it is it is definitely worth a watch uh definitely a download as well because i can't imagine that's going to been up for too long where can you get that from www.plandemic2.com I don't know why pandemic 2 because Plandemic doesn't take you anywhere. So maybe someone brought that out before. But yeah, Plandemic 2. So it has the whole video on the site. It has the whole video you can download and it has breakdowns into individual sections of about 10 minutes. So if you did want to send any of those clips out for the modern generation of Snapchat and Instagram kids who can't focus on anything past 10 minutes... That, that, or 15 seconds yeah the resources there but they went over operation mockingbird we're really really insightful i'll give you the rundown but again i i would advise you checking it out because it goes in a lot lot more detail but oh, uh, operation mockingbird was a, a massive scale program that was conducted by the it was a csa so i've got it down somewhere the c uh, cia sorry the fbi the NSA and the IRS all working together. So for those people who say, oh, they couldn't do you've got four massive, massive organisations working together on this. Um, and what they did is they trained their own agents to be newscasters, sportscasters, media personalities, uh, actors, TV presenters, and they pushed them out into America. And these agents infiltrated most of the mass media at the time. For those that, they, that obviously were already in positions, they were either um, bribed or they were then blackmailed to do what the CIA wanted to do. And it was, again, the specific purpose of this was to steer and change culture. It was yep. literally that, that was the point of it. That, that isn't, they had some plan, and that's just what happened. The purpose of the operation was to change society and to change culture, um, which is just absolutely crazy. And they even went so far. So um, there was a journalist um, who covered Watergate, Carl Bernstein, and he discovered that the CIA was actually paying the National Student Association. So he was paying. They were paying through all these different little subgroups, sub companies, sub charities. They were paying thousands and thousands of students and thousands. I think it was about five thousand professors in the U.S. to bring about all these different um, these different ways of thinking. I mean, the, so it was in around the late 1970s, and I think many people say that the the birth of the social sciences were in the late 70s to the early 80s. So when we've got all these, you know, all the stuff that, that Black Lives Matter is using now, like, you know, in, inherent bias and um all those those just nonsense. I'm gonna call them for what they are, this nonsense that they're rolling out now. All these social sciences, that's pretty much when it was you can track it down to right when it was instilled. And it was America's Secret Service that was literally pushing it in. Um obviously eventually when this started to come to light. The uh, There was a massive committee, which was a church committee, and it was broken into three different parts, basically. So you had the church committee, you had the pike committee, and, oh, surprise, surprise, you had the Rockefeller Commission um, that all went to investigate what was going on um, and, and, and yeah, basically find out what, what the CIA were doing and why they were doing it. Um, they dubbed it together the Year of Intelligence um, and found out that not only were they doing invading the media controlling it steering it bribing journalists blackmailing journalists and this would go as far by the way to breaking into their homes. so they would send agents with weapons that would break into these journalists homes that refused to have anything to do with this and essentially blackmail them and and again do threaten genuine violence on these people or murder um but yeah, the, the the Year of Intelligence, they called it. And they find out they weren't only doing all that, but they were also using the US Army to spy on the civilian population, to track and wiretap journalists. Uh, they were intercepting mail. Um, they, uh, do you know what? I couldn't believe I found this. So they, that same Operation Mockingbird was one of the primary funders of MK Ultra, which we've also gone over in this. So if this wasn't bad enough already for you, going, oh, well, yeah, they were blackmailing journalists, and they were invading the media. Yeah, it's bad, but uh, the governments... It funded MK Ultra. We went over MK Ultra, probably the first or second episode, where these secret services were plucking people off the street or they were having these people sign up for social experiments um, that weren't social experiments, that were full-blown. We've taken you, we'll torture you, sometimes to death, And then we'll either let you out where no one will believe you. When we've broken your mind and your body, we've injected you of God knows what. Full-blown, illegal experiments on on men, on women, on children. It's it's just mad. It's literally mad how... And it all wrapped together. So they're also linking into the UK. So the UK did exactly a similar thing. So MI5, MI6 were uh, jumping in through our media as well, instilling agents in the UK media. And they had um, specific operations that spawned from Mockingbird. So even after they were caught, and even after they went in front of the Church Committee and they had a congressional hearing, and everything was dredged out, they were never made to stop. There was never; it was basically uncovered that they'd done it. And even people who journalists that followed it and historians saying were they made to stop? And they said no. There there is no evidence whatsoever that that ever stopped that the invasion of the media ever ever stopped and they expanded out into a bunch of other um a bunch of other projects basically there was like a, what they called a operations resistance and operation chaos where they yeah they, they 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 basically tried to shut down so many groups at the time so they tried to shut down the black panther party they tried to um shut down loads of feminist groups and things at the time um they had major dealings with the mafia they were trying to again it's it's crazy how it's all linked they they paid the american mafia to go over and try and assassinate fidel castro which failed um despite six separate attempts damn you mafia you're not as good as you <laughs> don't don't come after me for that i'm only kidding you you are exactly as badass as you've always been represented i'm not i'm not going to start on the mafia in any country um but yes yeah, it's, it's I can't believe how how deep this goes, and how it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere, and it's so it's the, the scale of it is insane. It's absolutely insane. I can't believe how. Just how- can
2: you mention something just before you get off this subject, and when you when you're talking about, um, so something come to my head when you he was talking about, um, obviously the end researching into the Rockefeller Foundation and yeah. so on and you was talking about how all of these different groups seem to have all the things in all these different pies. so yes. um, back in 1954 and I have it I literally have it in front of me um, so you had something called the Reese Commission which was an investigation into tax exempt basically uh, NGOs and foundations and I'm going to kind of leave it there. I was going to say what people should do is look into it. And that should be a bit of uh, homework for people to do. But there is a good reference, which you can actually download and find on archives.org, which is called Foundations, Their Power and Influence by, I think it's Rene, Rene A. Wormser. So, yeah, look into that. And that pretty much describes exactly what you were saying. Um, where they basically found for some reason all of these tax-exempt foundations and all of these NGOs and and so on and so on, for some reason were all working towards trying to subvert the culture and to change society. And there's a man called, uh, I think it's, hold on, let me get his full name. I think it's Norman Reesdod. Um. I'll get back to that. If I can't find it now, I'll get it next week. But um, there's actually a documentary you can watch on YouTube. But yeah, Norman Dodd. Look up the Norman Dodd Reese Committee on Foundations and that'll blow your tits off.
1: Do mm. so you know When you mentioned all your, um, all of your references, uh, I, think, yep. I think last episode, um, because I, I plugged... And it's not even a shameless plug, because it's a fantastic website. Because I plugged uh, pdfdrive.com. Um uh-huh. I wrote down every book that you mentioned and I jumped on PDF Drive and I would say you say you said arbitrary ten books, eight of them popped up on PDF Drive. Um Good stuff. so yeah, so if you are looking to chase any of that up, definitely check out um, archives.org or pdfdrive.com um because you again is the there are boundaries to a lot of this um in in again financial if if, if it's a, a struggle where you oh. go what is your, some of these books i said they will make very expensive um and yeah. even even in the absence of that you can be looking 10 15 pound a book which when you're potentially looking at up to 10 15 20 different books you're looking into the hundreds of pounds um no, so if it's, it's something you kind of want to you want to dip your toe into and you're curious, but it is that financial aspect that's, that's holding you back, do do check out those websites because you can download them there. Um there are yeah, yeah, really, really good really good uh resources. Um something that I've that has been brought up before, um, because when I've I've spoke to people about this before, because when I spoke about when I spoke about MK Ultra and when I've spoken even about, you know, uh, operation mockingbird and all the, the, numerous things so many people will go yeah when did that happen you go Oh, that was the 70s and they go oh but that that happened back then you know stuff like that happened back then it doesn't mm-hmm. happen anymore you know that was they, they almost think that it's it can't happen anymore um and it linked straight into from the same article that i was reading about operation mockingbird um that the cia uh, in 1996, um, opened basically like a, a, what would you call them? Like an office specifically for Hollywood um, and media exchanges. Yeah. Um, and it says, so, that 1996 they started it, and the details, obviously, because even the agency, so someone who worked there, did I can't remember his name exactly, it was in the article. So someone who worked there come out and said that if you're looking for a paper trail of how we speak to the media and how we speak to Hollywood, you won't find it. Because this isn't an office where we do a lot of uh, a lot of text work. We write it down. We keep data. Isn't that kind of thing? It's like um, it's like a liaison service, and it's all off the record. So sometimes
2: as yeah, well, not it? Yeah.
1: So sometimes it would be. Uh, I think they said for the film Zero Dark Thirty, they had basically the director got in touch because he wanted to clarify certain points, but the script had to be changed. So they would only give over certain details if the script was changed. Um yep. and the 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 article I read on their public liaison office in nineteen ninety six said uh since two thousand and five around one thousand one hundred movies and TV series have been backed by the Pentagon and the Department of Defense. Uh CIA established its entertainment liaison office, that's what's called the entertainment liaison office. Um and it took reports um from freedom of information acts on behalf of the independent newspaper did one recently, uh, literally, I think it was this year or last year. So the, they, they filed a freedom of information act, um, which showed that, uh, it, alongside things being fairly benign. So an example they put on this was in, in, the uh, if anyone's seen the film, meet the parents from 2008, it's quite a popular, quite a, uh, uh, cult comedy. Um, the stepfather in that was meant to be like an ex CIA agent, and apparently in the script there was a little scene where he had all these uh, torture manuals about um, waterboarding and things like that, and it was obviously going to be a joke, and the 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 son-in-law was going to be like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to cross him. He's got all these manuals, and the CIA made that made him take that out of the book, uh, out of the film. Sorry, and uh, in the the Hulk movie as well. Um, Apparently there was a, and I quote, radical script alteration uh, at the CIA's request because the film originally had the names and the details of real illegal secret projects um, and operations that the CIA had been caught in. And they basically completely vetoed the film, any involvement, if it didn't remove those things. And it did remove those things. Um, Journalist from The Guardian, John Patton, said... It used to be the case if a movie or series explicitly condemned the CIA or any CIA actions, the studios could be counted on to bury it. So it's, it's the, the, it it's isn't the case that this has happened in the past and it's it's been found out, it's been uncovered. It was a few rogue, again, it wasn't a few rogue agents. As I said earlier, when you've got four massive industries, four massive Alphabet agencies. Look at... Go on Google and find out how big the CIA is, how big the FBI is, how big the NSA is, how big the IRS, and then try and use the straw man that it was just a couple of maybe rogue agents that managed to conduct these national, great big operations. Lazy. lazy. You know, it, it, it is... The, they haven't... They've been caught, but they haven't stopped. There's no evidence that they've stopped. There's been... They haven't even acknowledged... That have stopped. So the CIA, after Operation Mockingbird, never made a public statement or anything, any kind of saying we know we've been caught out. We'll, you know, a PR statement will improve the agency. We've let the American public down. All oh, that they didn't do anything. They did nothing at all. No, nothing, nothing about their behaviour or anything thereafter has said that they've stopped doing what they're doing. Trouble is, though,
2: here's here's the kicker of all this. And in regards to what you're saying. So if you just think you have populations of hundreds of millions of people and billions of people worldwide, so let's just take the US for example. So how how do you keep 300 odd million people from changing the system, changing a system? How do you keep them all uniform? How do you keep them all unified in their ideas, opinions, beliefs, so on and so on? It's through the culture, and the culture is created, it's guided, it's shaped, our minds are shaped. And as you said, with all of the CIA's projects and so on, really, it's all about behaviour modification and,
1: yeah. And it's changing again, the the two big objections you'll find is, let's say three, A, they couldn't do that, Uh, B, they wouldn't do that, and then C, oh, it happened a long time ago. Or, oh, that happened in America. You know what America's like. It doesn't happen in America. As I said, branching straight from that, I went into MI5 and uh, MI6 cases where our Secret Service is doing the same things in the UK. I didn't look at it. I'm sure if you looked into the KGB, they're probably doing a similar, you know, where probably whatever Secret Service you're looking into, There is going to be a level of... I mean, the Soviet Union has a a massive history of propaganda and and censorship. So it's not even a case of, you know, um, you're not going to... They're not doing it. Obviously, China, absolutely doing it. North Korea, absolutely doing it. How Australia's been with this whole COVID stuff, absolutely doing it. Like, there isn't a... There's not going to be a major nation, a major country on Earth that is not doing this stuff. It's
0: almost
2: painful to have to talk about it as if it's not happening. Like that, I think that's the struggle. Like when you when you actually talk about it as if it's not happening, and uh, question the scale of it, it's it's kind of irritating because it's so obvious to see. Um,
1: yeah, you have to you have to yield to these yep. people that are, you know effectively say like in the face of all the evidence for them to say no, nah, I don't. That's being an idiot do you know, the, the 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 evidence shows that to have a counter view to that has been a, but obviously how do they control that they don't let you see it so based on the information you know they could never do it it's never been done and they couldn't do it again based on the information you know but yep. as soon as you'd learned a tiny little bit of information that that's it it goes out the window it goes out the window with. I mean, some of this stuff that I jumped onto the. I jumped onto Google, and I've got some stuff on Operation Mockingbird, and it took a took maybe half an hour, you know, plucked straight from uh, history.com, pulled from the Wikipedia. Do you know one of the things that annoys me about Wikipedia? It says the. It says Operation Mockingbird was an alleged alleged CIA operation. It's not alleged. When do you know what I mean? When it went to a congressional hearing with free with church committee, Pike committee, and, and Rockefeller, uh, and it's on record, and it's you can look it up, you can watch the videos of the hearing. It's not alleged; like it happened, like the the top secret. The uh, obviously the Freedom of Information Act that the Independent got is all the documents. And the frustrating thing is. There was a lot of redacted parts in those documents that are still redacted and have never been brought out under the guise of national security. So they're allowed to talk about um, invading the media. They're allowed to talk about blackmailing, burglary, and threatening journalists and media personalities. They're allowed to talk about experimentations on on uh, the unsuspecting public, uh, children and women. They're allowed to talk about paying students and paying professors to steer culture and society and that's the stuff they're they're willing to talk about let alone the stuff that they've blacked out and redacted that you'll never ever find out can you imagine
2: yeah i think sometimes they want you to talk about it and bring that up though because i think the modern methods of propaganda that are used now are so far more complex because of the use of social media and their ability to basically hold their finger on the pulse of what everyone is doing, thinking, and everything else in real time. Like, the difference between propaganda then and propaganda now is just massive, and it's, it's got so, so much more complex. And the idea that people, people think they're immune to it, and, like, people get defensive and say, I'm not being propagandised, I'm not being, having my behaviour manipulated, what, what, what do you talk what are you talking about I'm I know who I am and what I believe and so on and so on mm. but what people don't realize is that those people the people that believe that are the easiest to um, actually the easiest to manipulate.
1: There's. A, a, uh, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago but there's a, a fantastic Netflix documentary called the social dilemma and it, yeah. it, it brings together all of the um, oftentimes the original, Uh, technicians and creators, content creators, designers of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all these different things. Uh, And they go into super detail about how they've made it to addict you, how they've made it to steer you, how they designed it and and made aspects so children would stay, you know, they found out if they uh, took away the, so when you're scrolling down Facebook, they used to have when you hit a certain point in the timeline, you had to click see more and they found out that if they take away that see more button and they just make the timeline seamless that children on average stayed on facebook for another 13 minutes than they did if they did the see more button so you've got people that are spending all of their time to get you looking into this and really again why would that why would that be beneficial why would that you get more oh we we just want you to spend more time talking to your friends no you don't like, well there, there's no there's no interest in that there's no money in that the real thing is that you're trying to steer and the more exposure that you can get on that person especially a younger mind the more exposure you can get and time you can get the more you're going to obviously you're going to fulfill your your mission your agenda
2: and that's everything you just described as well is what they call operant conditioning and it's all it's all um, old behaviorism it's just been updated, so it's basically um, as Pavlov described. And uh, if you look into Skinner, uh, the behaviorist, as well, like look into all of his work, and you'll you'll see that basically all of the techniques and everything that are being used on us right now uh, are yeah, all it's all to alter our behavior. I don't think
1: people realise that that human beings are very very predictable. Do you know yeah. we we fall into any a, a handful of archetypes. And people like to think that oh well you know we we all like different music and different food and oh I'm quite quirky and I, it doesn't matter you 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 know um you, you you fall into an archetype of some type and they have had just clocked ages ago years hundreds of years ago decades ago do you know what I mean it's it's not I, I think you you brought up the other day the um what are they call the the behavioural science group that's currently working for the UK government of the behaviour insight teams, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so you have a specific team that is informing the government how to how to present all of this information so you accept it. Yeah, you know, and people go, "Oh no, they wouldn't." Any again, we mentioned it earlier, um, and if you haven't heard of it, Google it because at one point, so you have the UK army has a, a specific brigade called the seventy seventh brigade, and their job. Their job is to go onto Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, to go onto social media and to go into the comment sections of, of websites. And anytime anyone says anything that's against the official narrative, they beat them down. Yep. They're, they're, they're there to attack and to undermine. You think you've got a department and I think they've got about five thousand Members of the army that that, that is their twenty four seven job to create social sure. media accounts and to go and look for your comment. So if you put up an article that says, "Oh, you know, the, the, the PCR test doesn't work," or you find any, yeah, they're going to be there in a shot. And I said this to um, I said this to, to to Chris a little while ago when I went on Twitter and I posted a status about the Great Reset. Um, two people jumped on straight away and said, oh, here we go, another great reset guy. you oh, and, and the other person said, oh, I don't know why this, why there's such a bad thing going about the grey reset. They're obviously not behind advancement. And I went on both their profiles and both of their profiles, they had pasted that same comment in about, so to get this, so they joined in. So this happened just before, end of November. So these profiles were created in November, early November 2020, and they had made 15,000 outbound tweets in less than 30 days. Fifty. That's to 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 do to do the numbers on that would be astronomical. But I went down their profiles, and every single comment was. I don't know why people always slag off the Great Reset. I don't know. The same thing, copy and pasted it. And it was even the case where a chap had put up a picture of a new motorbike he got. And he was like, I love him. My new, you know, my new Harley, whatever it was. Uh, And he goes, all these people going on about the Great Reset. Like if bikes get better, I can't wait for it. And there she was. I don't know why people always slag off the Great Reset. So there are bots that are active on Twitter. And it's not just going to be Twitter. It's going to be other social media. Bots have been caught out on Facebook and everywhere that are looking for the words, great reset. And when they're said, they're there. They There is an algorithm to hunt you down and then to post a comment. And again, these, these profiles are pretending to be people. So they have people's faces on them. You know, middle-aged women and things like that. But every single one of their comments for the full 30 days they've been on Twitter, 15,000 times is the same comment. It's... And you won't find that for other stuff. You literally won't find that for. So apparently, some of the biggest. Um, there's a website that lets you search for the uh, biggest terms that bots are that people are flagging bots down for. And apparently, um, what what are they um, election rigging in America is the top one at the moment. Um, then it's coronavirus and it's vaccines and then it's uh, great reset. So you've got those four things, and people are flagging that bots are hitting those things on mass. Uh, it's do you know what I mean the, the the fact that you the fact that people feel that they're that there's no one that's trying to steer them anywhere when you've got government departments, when you've got agency depart uh, uh, army sorry brigades and military brigades that are there to if you say something to jump you, and you've got bots. Who's making the bots? That's what I was thinking. I don't know how to make a bot. On Twitter and if I was gonna make a bot as an individual my idea for making a bot would be like how can I make money that that would be the goal you would make you know you would make something that you could make you could churn out YouTube videos that could be easily monetized or you you would do something that would make you as an individual or an organization money there's no money in you posting comments countering any opinion on the great reset that you're not going to return on that it it has to be political. It has to be,
0: unless you're looking to hide something. I mean, um, there was a, a lot of outrage when on Twitter, um, when um, I think it was a, a story about Barack Obama, um, which is a very famous story. I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of it, but um, there was a famous story um, going out, and um, I think it was Obama Gate, and um, the. This was trending, trending, and then the trends kept on dropping, like as in, like, the numbers, um, the, the the topic dropped. So, like, they, it was number one, and then Twitter dropped it to, like, number 10, and and then it dropped down. But you could see the amount of people that were talking about it were talking about that more than what was trending higher. Mm. And people were complaining, saying, no, this this is the story that should be going up. And it kept on going up, and they kept on dropping it back because they were hiding something.
1: Yeah, YouTube's been caught out on that loads of times. So they're the only company whose whose uh, trending page, their trending subsection, is manually supervised. So they they you would think that trending would be a single simple algorithm of how many views in how many hours. Because obviously if it's exploding, that's that's all you need to do. But it isn't that. People go in and they manually pick the videos that go on trending. And people have flagged it up saying that, you know, this video has had uh, 10,000, 15,000 views in two days. But I put up a video that got 200,000 views in two days and I'm not on trending and that is. So why, why is that? It's, um, yeah, the, 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 the I mean, they've said it all. The it's, it's a very common phrase that if it's free, you're the product. And that's exactly what social media is. It's free to you. The same way school is free to you, You're to you know, they're never gonna charge If you want to go to a private school, fair enough, but you want to go to a public school, it's free. Um, because it's free. where it's where you get your indoctrination, it's where you get your programming, you know. Good uh, uh, cool one. Two
2: references for that John Taylor Gatto and Charlotte Isherby. So yeah, write down them names in regards to education.
1: Mm. Yeah, we, I mean... Can I shoot off two quotes? You, I don't want yeah, to You fire you know, off. Yeah, fire off two quotes.
2: So it's from a book called uh, Propaganda, The Formation of Men's Attitudes by Jack C.L.L. And it's the, probably the best book you can read on propaganda. Anyway, one quote. To be effective, propaganda must constantly short-circuit all thought and decision. It must operate on the individual at a level of the unconscious. He must not know that he is being shaped by outside forces. That some central core in him must be reached in order to release the mechanism in the unconscious which will provide the appropriate and expected action. The next one is, naturally, the educated man does not believe in propaganda. He shrugs and is convinced that propaganda has no effect on him. This is, in fact, one of his great weaknesses and propagandists are well aware that in order to reach someone, one must first convince him that the propaganda is ineffectual and is not very clear. Because he is convinced of his own superiority, the intellectual is much more vulnerable than anybody else to this manoeuvre, even though basically a high intelligence, a broad culture, a constant exercise of the critical faculties, and full and objective information are still the best weapons against propaganda. And the last one, which is short. Modern man does not think about current problems. He feels them. He reacts but he does not understand them any more than he takes responsibility for them. He is even less capable of spotting any inconsistency between successive facts. Man's capacity to forget is unlimited. This is one of the most important and useful points for the propagandist, who can always be sure that a particular propaganda theme, statement, or event will be forgotten within a few weeks. There you go.
1: That says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, but- and again, these 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 are not coming from, you know, old Joe down the pub. These are coming from people that have so much, so much renown. You know, that are in in great positions in their life. There there would be no need to put something out that controversial and that potentially defaming, no. if if you weren't sure it was a way of things.
2: Jack lowell is like he's well. Just look into him, and, you know, and look into his book. Mm,
1: but yeah. Absolutely, um, cool. I mean, I, I think we're probably coming up to time now. To be honest, um, Nave, have you got anything you want to, anything you want to chuck in? Any sources? Any particular names? Anything in in general you want to kind of bring up? I've just got one you?
2: more of one more small quote by Edward Bernays, who's supposed to be the master of propaganda. So I could shoot that off quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Okay, it's a big one. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organised habits, opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of of our country. We are governed, our minds are moulded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our demo- democratic society is organised. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together a smoothly, smoothly functioning society. In almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by a relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes, social patterns of the masses. It is it is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. And that was by Edward Bernays in his book, Propaganda. And he's supposed to be the, uh, the master of propaganda. So there
1: you go. I think we we'll am going to have to check that one out myself. I think it seems, uh, especially poignant and something definitely to read right now. Um, Chris closing thoughts.
0: No, you know what's interesting? Um, what's, uh, you know, propaganda is such a, a massive tool and, uh, you know, Jesus, Yahushua HaMashiach, he he said the same thing to, you know, to pretty much stay away from propaganda and uh, watch out. So it's just one of those things where you need to understand where, where it started and where it comes from and who controls it. And um, I think you've pretty much covered that off as well. Um, it's just crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, I've been trying to look for that video as well
1: i told you it's hard to uh, you, you could type it in the sinclair uh Simpl- sinclair scandal on youtube maybe even as as early as last year and now you pop it in and stuff disappears yeah it's I, I so s- frustrating how quick
0: they're just purging i'm sure i've got it on my phone of you know it's just gone it's it's gone uh yeah i can't find it if i will you, find if it
1: if you find it we'll put it at the start of um the the next episode just after the intro so you guys can hear it so you can hear kind of mm-hmm. what's 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 going on with there. Um, so I quickly put in literally one one name. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, gone on, go on to YouTube,
2: and he's been chucked about recently, but he's been around for ages on YouTube. Uh, well, his lectures have Yuri Besmanov. He mm. was supposed to be uh, supposedly a KGB defector,
3: mm. and he
2: talks about propaganda and the techniques of propaganda. And yeah, very good lecture. He's got a
1: couple of lectures on YouTube. Yuri Besmanov, awesome. Yeah, check that out, guys. Check that out, guys. Chris, what are you going to say? something?
0: no, I'm, I'm still trying to search He's for it. Still I'm trying. Like, his yeah, I was, I was just thinking if I could just quite kind of fit it in real quick, but it's just not happening. I don't think it's happening today. Cool. We, we I mean, it'll try. probably happen as soon as, soon as we. Yeah, know, we as finish. soon as as soon as that button goes, <laughs>
1: we'll do it. Um, so. We've, we've moved to a kind of uh, a kind of schedule now where before we had, because it was at the, the early stages of the podcast, we could literally say, right, we're talking about, we're doing an intro to the series and we're going to talk about vaccines and we're going to talk like about PCR testing. So now we've moved to stage where we don't really know what we're going to talk about next week. But I would say, given that it's probably going to be our last episode before Christmas, um, I think we're going to pull our heads together and we're going to find something that's particularly, um, what's the word particularly startling particularly something that you you probably have never heard of before or haven't looked into so again we'll rack our brains we'll find something that is going to be just a fantastic blowout before the the festive season and maybe we can roll into what they're turning this festive season into as opposed to what it actually is and where it should be um uh, b- before we go as as chris mentioned jesus and, and and god and most of us are religious in this um there's so much stuff, especially right now, to, to pray about. Um, we've obviously got all the COVID stuff. If you believe in that, then you will believe in, obviously, the, the, the amount of deaths that are going on. If you don't believe in it, you've got to pray for all the stuff that's that's coming down the pipeline towards us. Um, and that's on top of everything else, on top of cancers and, 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 and starvations and famines and just everything that's going on. But... There is a, a more deserving, more immediately heartbreaking thing that we need to pray about. And i ask you if you're at home and you're listening to j- j- just send out a, a quick prayer when you can find the time to John the Sound Guy who's bought Cyberpunk 27 on the base PS4 console. So... <laughs> Uh, the, you know uh, the, there's a time for words and then there's a time to just put your head down and then so you know let's let's pray to that he sees no bugs um nothing game breaking and the the, the the textures loading as they're meant to um so yeah keep keep him in your prayers because that's it's going to be we've had a rough year but for john it, it might just be starting Um, (laughs) that's all from us guys we hope you've had a a, a, a good listen this week Um, look forward to speaking to you next week in the meantime keep yourselves safe Um, have a good one, take care
2: see you later